One, prepare. We're not prepared. Check that off the list. Take Tuesday sober. Not happening. Welcome to the best kind of worst. No, no one fucking cares. Everyone cares. Who? I care. Dick suck. So there I am in the parking lot, underwear and a guinea. Hang out in the backseat of a 7-Eleven. It's an ammo! We might die. So you want to talk about those lesbians? We need a bay update. I slept on the fucking tile! Episode 35. Episode 35. I am solo again this week. Oli had a real busy week this week, so I decided to give him another week reprieve. Put his ass on sabbatical. That's the politically correct term, right? So what's been happening this week? What's been happening this week? Oli came back home safe. Talked to him on the phone a little bit earlier this week. He had a hell of a time. He rode a camel. He rode a camel. I don't even, what do you say to someone that rides a camel? That's a life changing. He's a different person now. He's a different person. Yeah, he's a different person now. He's probably too good for the podcast. That's, 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 that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he's too good now. I'm just kidding. Yeah, he uh, spent a... Uh, his, one of his last days there, he spent like a whole day excursion. <coughs> still coughing, still coughing. Drink some coffee. Yeah, he spent a whole day excursion out in the sand in the desert. Rode a camel, got some, got an awesome picture of him jumping up in the air in the sand with some sunset. Yeah, he was out, uh, out in Dubai for work. <coughs> so, yeah, man. That was awesome. So he, he had a pretty good week. My week is always the same, just studying my life away. Found some gray hairs. Very upset about that. Um, gonna have salt and pepper hair in probably the next five years. I'm very upset about it. But it does look good on me. And I'm not one to compliment myself too often, but it does look good on me. So there's that. Well, uh, so this week... I said last week we'd probably get a quick episode and it ended up being like an hour and a half long. Uh, Credit to anybody that does a podcast alone where you literally are just talking to yourself. It's not easy. It's not easy coming here and just talking to yourself. Yeah, it was uh, kind of difficult. Um, But I I mean, as I was listening back to it, outside of the multiple times I got off topic, I thought it went okay. It wasn't great. 
Didn't have a whole lot to talk about, though. Most of it was predicated on the Super Bowl and, <clears throat> and politics, unfortunately, because we're gearing up for the uh, 2020 election. You're seeing uh, people starting to campaign around the around the U.S. of A. Yeah. A long, long pauses last week. I had to actually edit some out because some of them were like almost 10 seconds long of me just thinking. That's probably the hardest part, I thought, of doing this by myself is when you're having a conversation with someone like, like me and Oli having a conversation, a lot of those pauses that you would have in your thought process are negated by the other person speaking. But when it's just you and... Like, I was organically developing some of my thoughts last week. So, for me, I always like to think before I speak because if I don't, I end up saying things like, oh, I'm Gladys Knight. Suck on these. Yeah. That's when I don't think. So, gotta think. Here comes a long pause. That was over. That was almost two and a half seconds there. So, yeah. Don't know where this was going. Self-critique, maybe? I don't know. They're lawnmowering outside. Hopefully, no. Hopefully, my microphone doesn't pick any of that garbage up. Uh, that song we came into was Nathaniel Radcliffe and the Night Sweats. If you've never heard them, f- do yourself a favor. Stop everything you're doing and put on that. Howling at the Moon. S.O.B. Just... What a beautiful band. What a beautiful man. Uh, his latest single, You Worry Me. God. Mm. I need to never get old. Another another banger. Uh, today's podcast is sponsored by um, Buddy Brew Black Coffee, I think. I have no idea. We're going to drink some more, though. I, I realized something last week is I bitched real hard about ASMR, and proceeded to drink coffee through the whole podcast. So as I'm listening back to it to do some of our quotes for Instagram, I realized I was doing the exact same thing I hate, and I hated it. So this week I was like, well, I probably shouldn't do that again, right? Because I hate it. I hate that I did it. No. I'm going to keep doing it. Disrespectful. I only hate things when it's convenient for me, right? That's that's what we do, right? Who knows? Uh, so without further ado, let's just get into this garbage of a week that we... Uh, what happened this week? Uh, to start off, our thoughts, with our, our thoughts are with all of the families affected by the Aurora, Illinois shooting. Man walked into work. He was uh, in his termination meeting, pulled out a pistol that he legally owned. <coughs> And uh, ended up killing five people, wounded a bunch of others. So our thoughts are with anybody affected by that shooting. Um, that's the that's 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 the unfortunate thing. I know people go hard in the paint on people like Dana Lash, Lash, the NRA, and some of the pro Second Amendment activists. But the reality of of a of an NRA member. Committing a crime like this, an atrocity like this, is is the probability is really low. It's usually a person that illegally owns these firearms, and that's exactly what had occurred here. In two thousand and four, he uh, in a in a background check to get a gun, he busted for a, a felony, a misdemeanor a felony that he previously had in like nineteen ninety five. I actually don't know the the name of the man of the shooting. 
Um, but um, he busted his his um, his background check, and he was supposed to voluntarily surrender any firearms that he had, that he had um, previously, and and that's where the investigation looked like it's hung up at is how he was able to keep those firearms that he had previously owned. So our thoughts are with anybody affected by that, though. We never want to see those things in the news. Um, sports was a down week. We had the all-star break for the NBA. That's always a garbage time. Kawhi Leonard debuted his uh, first New Balance shoe. Um, if anyone pays for that, brain dead. I mean, they're, they're better than Lonzo Ball's Triple B shoes. Mm, but these were nothing special. It's just a New Balance shoe with an elastic top, and I don't know what it is with modern-day shoes. I'm not fashionable. I don't know much about fashion. I don't portray myself to know much about fashion, but a lot of these shoes are, now have these, like, uh, these tassels around them, kind of like Janet Jackson's uh, titty tassel from 2004, where it says, you know, some bullshit. New Balance, Nike. No, no, they're stupid. Um, they're ugly. I wouldn't pay for them, um, but it's it's the trend. Like off white is probably the hottest uh, clothing line right now. Off white, and you got um, what's that other one? Who knows? Who cares? No one cares. That's just shit. She was shit. I didn't really, I didn't watch any of the All Star Weekend. I always hate All Star Weekends. It's always shit because you're not trying to hurt, especially when it's mid season. You're not looking to hurt anyone. You're not looking to cause any trouble. You're just looking to play out this game. Take your game bonus, take your bonus, and move on. So, um, the Alliance of American Football debuted this uh, last week. <clears throat> it's a new professional NFL uh, professional football league. Um, it's owned by Charlie. Well, it's founded by um, Charlie Ebersol. He was uh, partners with Vince McMahon for the XFL. It was good. It was a good first week. They just concluded their second week. They have eight teams. It's um, they they I I think they did something smart and they've they've marketed this as a compliment to the NFL, like a minor league development for the NFL because the NFL used to have NFL Europe, and they used to be partnered. What well, they might still be with the CFL, but um, now that the NFL Europe is defunct, it's been defunct now for I don't know ten years fact check me I don't know there's no really there's no real development league for the NFL I know they last year the year before last they had the uh, off-season combine for veteran players and that helped to get eyes on players that wouldn't normally get eyes on them but <coughs> well they had a real nice week I really like the camera angle from inside the 15 yard line um, some differences between the leagues is there is no kickoffs there um, there's no kickoffs. They, each team will just start their new possession from the 25-yard line. There's no extra points. You have to go for two. Um, a lot of less penalties on hits, which I thought that was that was good. Uh, it, the NFL, for the longest time, tried huh, – how do I phrase this? The NFL, for the longest time – I guess this segues me to um, Bob Costas – We'll get to Bob Costas in a second. <clears throat> Off topic. Um, the NFL, for the longest time, tried to, especially in the early 2000s, they tried to dispel the grumblings that 
the violence in the game translated to CTE, uh, brain trauma, suicide, depression, death. They tried to pay their way out of that connection. And then Chris Nowinski, ex-WWE professional wrestler, hooked up with um, some big firms and really was the forefront and the, the, the ground level, kind of the founder, not the founder, but really pushed CTE to the front, uh, to, to mainstream media and was able to make the connection that, yeah, when you get into a 30-mile-an-hour car crash multiple times in a three-hour game, extrapolate that over a 20-year playing career, you're fucked. I mean, you're going to have some brain trauma, some brain damage. You know, we see it all the time with strokes, completely changing people's personalities, their likes, their dislikes. They become completely different people. Uh, Phineas something. Phineas Gage is the classic example. He was like one of the nicest people around, had a stroke, and then ended up being a murderer. Came out of the stroke and ended up being like a murderer. Yeah. You know, you saw it with Junior Sale. Junior Sale is probably the most, uh, I don't want to say, I hate saying popular in terms of these kind of things, but he's the most polarizing, I guess is the right term, polarizing case of this where, you know, he took his life after many years of playing in the NFL. The NFL tried to dispel this, you know, early on, and so now now that the connection's there, we see these, We see, especially this season, we saw a lot of penalties on plays that wouldn't have been penalties many years ago, especially in terms of quarterback safety. You know, blindside hits. That's that's blindside and <clears throat> what they call defenseless receivers. You know, a receiver going up for a ball that's defenseless, that doesn't have the chance to brace for a hit. A quarterback that has his back to you, you're coming through his blindside and you hit him and he has no, he doesn't know what's coming. So the NFL, you know, you see a lot of the, more of these penalties. The AAF uh, doesn't have these kind of provisions. And I, I uh, you watch the NFL. The NFL is arguably the most popular sport in the world because of the physicality, uh, uh, because of, you know, it's just a wonderful game. And I don't like seeing a lot of the penalties. I didn't, I didn't like seeing the increased amount of penalties this season. So having the AAF, I think, I think that's their acronym, AAF. Having the AAF not throw that, you know, have that many penalties and allow players to hit each other, I thought that was, um, it was a breath of fresh air, but I understand the NFL and trying to protect player safety. <coughs> I think one ESPN analyst said it best. Um, that, you know, a lot of people watch it. A lot of the casual NFL watchers watch it for the violence. So that the vi- So that when you start taking the violence away, you know, those players, those people, excuse me, aren't going to watch as much. But I love the camera angle inside the 15. They kind of go to a sky cam. I know Oli and I talked about this uh, earlier earlier in the NFL season when the uh, Patriots Sunday night game had to utilize a lot of sky cam because of the fog. I thought that was, I thought that's awesome. They also have this real um, zoomed in sideline cam for inside the 10, which was cool. They utilize mics, and I'm going to have to ask Oli about this next week. They utilize these mics so that you can – the players aren't mic'd up, but they have these microphones above the players or on the sidelines so that you can hear kind of what they're saying to each other. Um, so it kind of gave you a more personal feeling to the players. Um, the play clock is five seconds shorter, so the game's supposed to move a little bit faster. And I, we're two weeks in. Hopefully 
at the end of the season we'll get an average because the average NFL game right now is sitting at 180 minutes or three hours. Their goal is to get it under two and a half hours. I've always been a, I've always been against um, doing away with extra points. Uh, I've, I've, I've never it, it gets more and more traction every year in the uh, player meetings. I'm mean, sorry, the owner meetings at the in the off seasons. I've never been a proprietor for it. I've always thought that extra points were an integral part of the game. I was against them moving it back to the to the 15 yard line, but that's kind of worked out and it's been nice. But man, I, I got to tell you, I love getting rid of them because the moment the, the the team scores, they go for two, they get it, they don't get it, they go right to the next drive for the opposing team, and that cuts out that entire commercial break because after you score. <clears throat> If they review it, you have that commercial break there, and then they kick their extra point or go for two, then you have a commercial break there, then you have a kickoff, and then you have another commercial break. So in a matter of four segments there, you have four commercial breaks for next to no offense, next to no defense, and really nothing happening. So I really enjoyed not having the kickoffs. I did. Um, so uh, they still have the opportunity for onside kicks but it has to be within a certain time frame. I think it's under five minutes left in the game, and you have to be within 17 points. And um, I believe the way it's done is you they put the ball on your 10-yard on your line, on your 20-yard line, and it's, um, it's a one- it's a, it's a, they give you a fourth and 16, and you have to convert a fourth and 16. I guess they, they, they did some analytical analysis that fourth and 16, the chances of you getting that play and getting a first down would be the equivalent of an, the, the, the probability equivalent of an onside kick. Uh, onside kicks and kickoffs. They, um, I remember playing high school football. One of, um, I think this is the time, this is the, I, I didn't play my senior year. I was scouted by some D3 and D2 schools, but I didn't play my senior year because of a neck injury that I got in my junior year. And I remember I, I, it occurred on a kickoff. Kickoffs are probably the most dangerous plays in the in the game, I think. I think even more dangerous than a blindsided hit from a, from a, a defensive end or a linebacker on a quarterback or a defenseless receiver because you're running backwards, especially on kick return. You would run backwards as fast as you can to get back to where the ball is, and then you make a blockade so that you're – Runner can, of course, find a hole and advance the ball as far as you can. But a lot of times, those front-line kick-return players, they're linemen or smaller versions of linemen. I was, I was always a smaller lineman. So by the time you run back and then you turn around, you're just blindsided by the equivalent of a linebacker running at you full speed. And I remember getting flipped over in a game, uh, my neck bent, my helmet would hit the ground first. I did essentially a backflip. So I, I, I completely understand uh, the safety aspect of wanting to get rid of kickoffs. I just, I'm a traditionalist in terms of the NFL, but I'm, I'm completely for the NFL getting rid of kickoffs and, and, and extra points. So thought that was a breath of fresh air. Steve Spurrier makes his return to coaching. He was He's coach of the Orlando Apollos, I think is their name. Attendance looked pretty good. Uh, they have very affordable <clears throat> ticket prices, and they also are, are doing really discounted food and drinks. And the fact that they're 
actively wanting to complement the NFL. I think that's the right way to go. I think them debuting a year before the XFL is going to be great for the XFL because it gives the XFL a chance to see what works, what doesn't, um, because the XFL wants to wants to compete with the NFL. So we'll see how that goes. But it it looked like a you know looked like a pretty competitive NFL game. There wasn't very many crazy blowouts. There was a lot of competitive games. A lot of uh, a lot of players that you would recognize. So, you know, any time in the average lifespan of NFL player is uh, 3.2 years. So any chance that I think an NFL player, or sorry, a football player gets a chance to have <clears throat> another opportunity, I think that's a good thing. <coughs> oh. <sighs> Disrespectful. All right, so we had the Grammys this week. I don't really watch, I don't, I, I, I do not watch award shows. I think it's just, I don't think you win based on your merit a lot of the times. I know Casey Musgraves won uh, Album of the Year. She's a country singer. I'm a huge fan. Um, Dime Peace. Dime Peace. And her husband, uh, Rustin Kelly, Dime Peace of a, of a man and also sings country music. God. What a, what a, they're going to make an amazing child. Oh, but, um, she won a bunch of shit. Um, I know Lady Gaga took something home for, uh, a star is born. I don't, like I said, I don't watch the Grammys. I don't really, I don't really care either way. But, um, one thing I did see is Drake got his mic allegedly cut off. <clears throat> now I've heard different things from other people. Some people said that most of the Grammy uh, acceptance speeches were cut for timing. But his, he's always <clears throat> he's always been real critical of the Grammys. Drake has always been critical of Grammys because he doesn't he does nothing but sell records. Say what you want about Drake, coming from DeGrazi, being, you know, Canadian, mixed, mixed race. Who say what you want about Drake. A motherfucker can make music. And it's not this bullshit DJ Khaled music, this bullshit slur rap and slur R&B that everyone does these days. It's none of that. It's actual, he can actually rap. He can sing a little bit. It's not the greatest, but he can sing. And he makes bangers, just bangers after bangers. And I don't think he gets enough credit. I, I'm not a big rap or R&B person, but Drake is a motherfucker. And he's real critical of the Grammys. He won, uh, I think, best. <sighs> I don't know what he won. Yeah, I forget what the hell he won, but he won an award. Uh, best rap song. That's what he won. Best rap song. And uh, his, I think I have his, uh, let's see if I have what he said. I thought it was, I thought it was genius. I thought it was perfectly said. Um, yeah, here it is. First time in, in Grammy's history where I actually am who I thought I was for a second. So I like that. That's really nice. Um, I definitely did not think I was winning anything. My brother's here. I want to take this um, opportunity while I'm up here to just talk to all the kids that are watching this, that are aspiring to do music, all my peers that make music from their heart. 
that do things pure and tell the truth. I want to let you know we play in an opinion-based sport, uh, not a factual-based sport. So it's not the NBA where at the end of the year you're holding a trophy because you made the right decisions or won the games. This is a this is a business where sometimes you know it um, it's up to a bunch of people that might not understand you know what a mixed race kid from Canada has to say or uh, or, or 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 a fly or a fly Spanish girl from New York or anybody else or a brother from Houston right there my brother Travis but look the point is you've already won if you have people who are singing your songs word for word if you're a hero in your hometown if look. Look, if there's people who have regular jobs who are coming out in the rain, in the snow, spending their hard-earned money to buy tickets to come to your shows, you don't need this right here. I promise you. You already won. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. That's perfectly stated. That's that's the antithesis of of knowing you've done something right. It's not by how many awards you win. It's not it's not by what critic thinks that your album or your song or your movie or whatever is good. It's whether normal people, like you said, with normal jobs, come out and spend hard earned money, sing your songs word for word, come out, rain, sleet, snow, don't matter. That's that's success, and that's that's it. He's so right, and I, I think they cut his mic. I know, like I said, some thought that it was just routine, it was just routine um, timing, but I, I don't think that's the case because he's been outspoken against the Grammys for the longest time. Um, I, I, you've already won. The fact that he every time he drops something on iTunes or whatever you know, whatever service you use to listen to music, the fact that every time he drops something, it is number one. It goes to number one because it's good. And it's not just, it doesn't go to number one because it's Drake or because it's this person. It goes because it's good. I very, I very seldomly find a, a Drake song or, or, or maybe a collaboration that's trending high that isn't good. That's not to say that there isn't out there. There, of course, is, but that, 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 I think that's what we all strive for. We all strive for not so much our peers to give us praise, but the common person, the person not in the field, the person that spends their money, the person that buys your merchandise, the person that puts their neck out there for you. That's that's how you know you've won. It's not this bullshit award that you get. So shout out to Drake, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what else we got here today? Ocasio, let's just let's just knock politics out of the way because it's been a hell of a week politically. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, uh, I think I said last week that I think she's going to run for president. I didn't realize. Um, I forgot that she's only twenty eight or twenty nine, so she would she could she be Ill, ineligible to run for twenty twenty, but twenty twenty four she would be. Uh, but I think she'll be done by that time. She <clears throat> unveiled plans for her new green deal. New green deal. That is a term that's that is a term that was used by FDR back in the Depression. He proposed a new Green Deal in order to get their unemployment rate down, with the addition of some environmentally based jobs. That was his initiative during the Depression to get unemployed U.S. citizens back to work. 
So she goes and she develops a new green deal. And it leaks. It leaks from her office. Now, anybody with base level knowledge knows that when you create a document on your computer, whether it be Word or at the Apple version of that, I think it's Pages, or even a PowerPoint, I'm sorry, uh, a PDF. It is stamped by your computer and by the person doing it. That's that's like, that's how they, like many years ago, that's how they caught plagiarism, is they would just look at who originally created this document. This document came from her office. It was written by her and her constituents, and it leaked from her website. When this document leaked, a bunch of liberals came out. I won't say Democrats, I'll just say liberals came out, and they were applauding it, like Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, uh, the Wall Street Journal, uh, not the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post. Washington Post's article on this, and I talked about them last week, they, I, if you read their article on it when it first came out, they didn't even read the, their, her, her, her plan. They didn't read it, because if they would have read it, they would have realized when they wrote their article, that their article had nothing to do with what was actually in that bill. Or, I'm sorry, in that plan. It's not a bill. And then people started reading it. And the fallout started happening. Conservatives were going, guys, are you reading this? Some of the liberals started to turn on her. Some stayed the course. And then by days in, she was denying that that came from her office. She denied that, um, she said that was an early rendition of it that was, uh, didn't come from her office. She had her, uh, her campaign manager, her manager go on uh, <coughs> Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News that evening, denying most of it. One of the things that you, one of the things that I do, one of the things that I guess, uh, not that I do, but I think, most people do when you go to higher level higher level education, you start to amass certain what we what I termed and what we call ten thousand dollar words. Sometimes, uh, <clears throat> sometimes most of the most of the things you get out of higher higher education is just the the knowledge and the application of these of what we call ten thousand dollar words, large words that the average person doesn't have any mean they don't they, they don't understand the meaning to. And I've amassed quite a few. I don't use them very often because most people don't understand what they mean. But when I write a research paper or I write something for publication, I use those words because that's the time to use those words. The right, the, the grammar and the writing of this deal was no higher than fifth or sixth grade. It was written horribly. It wasn't thought out. I mean, this was put together in 10 minutes. And there's a big part of it that I think the average American that that, that read this, that I I, I would assume most Americans are completely against this, that they're missing out, that that's not being reported on. And uh, I'll get to that in a second. But um, some of the highlights of this bill. Renewable energy and free and free from carbon emissions in 10 years with or without the use of nuclear power. For those of you that don't know, coal is is not good for the environment. I have a, hold on, I have a statistic here. 
Let me get my statistic out. So in terms of power plants, coal emits an average of 2,200 pounds of carbon dioxide emission per kilowatt hour. Natural gas emits about 1,100 pounds per kilowatt hour. Nuclear power plants, zero. Nuclear power plants, although when we think of nuclear power plants, we think of Fukushima, we think of um, Chernobyl, they do burn clean, like 99 point and some percent clean. It's not, I'm, I'm, I, to say zero, I think is a hard thing to do, right? That came from uh, an organization not some stupid Wikipedia website. Uh, I forget the publication, but this is a published, this is a publication. It's peer-reviewed. I don't think it's zero, but I think it's very close. So nuclear power does burn, I will say, mostly clean. So let's get away from the one source of energy we have currently that is clean and is affordable for most people. So she wants renewable energy and free from carbon emissions. So that would mean solar, wind, uh, maybe hydro. We would need approximately 500,000 square kilometers of space in order to do it. In order to do solar for the entire U.S., we would need the equivalent of 500,000 square kilometers of space. That would equate to an area larger than California. In order for the U.S. to go 100% solar for every person right now living, based on how much energy we use, we would need a solar energy plant larger than California. That's just not, it's not feasible. The technology just isn't there. And where would the government get this land? That's going to be a popular trend in, in, in my breakdown of this. Where is the government getting this land? She calls for an upgrade or replace, upgrade or replace every building in the U.S. for state-of-the-art efficiency. Upgrade or replace every building in the U.S. for state-of-the-art efficiency. That means all buildings, all homes, all buildings. You, could, you either upgrade them to meet high-efficiency standards in terms of energy and cost, or you completely replace the building. There are over 5 million commercial buildings in the US. Add that to the approximate 127 million households. And that doesn't even include schools, churches, and hospitals. So she wants to upgrade or tear down and rebuild 5 million commercial buildings, 127 million homes, and we're not even including churches, schools, hospitals. You understand that this would cost trillions. I'm two bullet points in, and we're looking at trillions of dollars. These, you, you put those two first things together, the renewable energy and the teardown of buildings. Where does the government get the land for, these, for, for a renewable farm the, the to the scale of larger than California. And if you own a building or a home that's deemed inefficient, who builds that home? The, obviously, she says the government, right? The government's gonna fit, foot that bill. So you're gonna surrender your property over to the government. 
you're going to surrender land over to the government for these farms, for these solar farms. You're going to give your land over to the government so that they can rebuild your home or your building. And they're just going to give it back, right? When they're done building it, they're going to give it right back. This is the, this is the, the biggest takeaway I have from this. No, there's bigger, there's more polarizing takeaways, but the, the biggest thing I got when I read this is this deal, cause this deal is basically signifying us relinquishing our land, our property to the government for the greater good. And a pat on the back, a handshake agreement, you'll get it back. You'll get it back, Johnny. Don't worry. We got you. This is tyranny. This is tyrannical control, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't use that word. I don't use that word lightly because I think a lot of provocateurs, the Milo, the Milo Yiannopoulos's, <clears throat> Tucker Carlson's one, and I and I respect Tucker. They use the word tyrannical control whenever they speak to government with kind of proposals like this. That's a reality. That's exactly what this is about. I am not relinquishing ownership over my land temporarily so that you can rebuild my home and I just, on the assumption, on the, on the pure assumption, I'm going to get it back. Nah. Nah, but people think this is great. Uh, she wants free college education for all. Now, this is one thing I can get behind. I think college education, I've said this before, Oli said this before, college education, the cost of it is out of control. It's out of control. We need to find ways of bringing it down. It, whether it be government subsidizing, private sector, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I'm not an economist. But we have to find provisions to lower the cost of education. Do I think education should be free? Undergraduate education, I would argue, should be free. Graduate level education, I understand the need for you to pay for it. You have a lot, the professors, I'm sorry, the professors, the educators, they're the next level. So I, I understand having to pay for things like law school, uh, master's programs, medical school. Are there costs out of hand? Yes. Do we need to find a way to bring it back? Yes. You know, we can't. I use the nursing analogy a lot. We can't ask a nurse to pay a hundred grand in student loans to come out only making about fifty grand. Now, don't get me wrong. Nurses have potential to make a great living, but early on, compiled with living expenses, food, if you have children, dependents, that's where we run into our issues. You know, you're not just coming out of college paying only for your student loans, right? Replacement of every combustible engine vehicle and charging stations everywhere. And that was a direct line from her bill. Charging stations everywhere. The grammar of this, this plan was horrendous. And I keep saying, Bill, I apologize. It's a plan. Replacement of every combustible engine in 10 years. I, I own a gas-powered vehicle. It's, 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 it's somewhat energy efficient. <laughs> Um, Oli owns a truck. My parents own nothing but combustible engines. My, the average American owns a combustible engine. Who's going to pay for my new car? If, my, if I can't drive my car in 10 years, who's paying for my new one? 
You're not going to force me to buy a new car. Now, if I have a, a beater that's getting eight miles to the gallon, okay. Okay. I can understand how that's not good. <coughs> but who's going to, you're going to, you're going to knock half off the car. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to knock a, what are you going to knock? 10, 10, 15, 20% max probably. Replacement of airplanes with high-speed trains. She wants high-speed rail across the U.S. With the, whole, with the ultimate goal of making airplane travel obsolete. Okay. Cool. No more, no more airplanes. We don't need them. We don't need them. It's unrealistic. AOC, that's unrealistic. We have these things called oceans that we have to get across. You know. Sometimes we need to fly to places. It's convenient. It's just uh, unrealistic. Quote, a job with a family-sustaining wage, I'm sorry, a job with a family-sustaining wage, family and medical leave, vacation and retirement security for every American. That's great. That's what we should all be striving for. But it is, unfortunately, a pipe dream. If I'm a small business owner and I have, let's say, five employees, a lot of employees are forced into giving you health insurance based on our, our, our pseudo-socialized health program as it sits. If I have to give you health insurance, a family-sustaining wage, family and medical leave, and retirement security, more than likely I'm going to go out of business. I can't, the, the business owner, and people don't understand this, they can't do it all. You know, most businesses are small. You know, Amazon posted 2018 profits of 11, 11 billion dollars, 11.2, 11.7, something like that. They can do a lot of those things because they get a ton of tax breaks. I think they're paying zero dollars for their 2018 taxes. That's what I read. I read they're paying zero. And a family-sustaining wage. So if, if, you, if I hire you and you have one kid when I hire you, and then by two years down the road, now you have three, I have to increase your wage because, well, now, you're, now you have three kids. I have to increase your wage to the equivalent of what it would cost to, get, to be able to afford those two or three kids. So now we're increasing wages based on your personal decisions. I'm I'm 30. I don't have any children. Why? Because I, I I can't afford a kid. That's the reality. Mm, not sure I want any. That's a personal decision, right? But all too many times, we take on these things like children. And I don't like equating children to dollar signs, but that's the reality of today. That's 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 the reality we live in. You, you can't require a small business owner to do a family-sustaining wage, family, family and medical leave, vacation, retirement security. You can't require them to do it all. And that sucks. And I'm sorry we can't do that. You know? It sucks, but that, that's the reality. 
And the last bullet point I had was economic security for anyone unable or unwilling to work. This is the most egregious statement I think in any political plan I've ever seen, unwilling to work. This is America. The American dream is lost on a lot of people. The American dream for a lot of people is coming here and given every opportunity and succeeding and having a family-sustaining wage, as she likes to put it. The American dream is coming here and working your ass off. Coming here, working your ass off, being a good citizen, and succeeding based on your merit. Everyone has a chance to go to college. I know, I know there, there, there are situations where you're rejected. I get all that. There are community colleges. And I don't like... I don't like private sector schools, but they are. They're trade schools. I don't think we, uh, I do like trade schools. I don't, I, don't, I don't think we give trade schools enough credit. And I don't think they're advertised enough. But the American dream is coming here, working your ass off for everything you have and having success, personal, personal success. Not coming here and getting handouts. And I think that's what people think sometimes. I think that's the mindset. I'm going to come to America and they're going to give me all the tools to succeed without me actually having to try. And that's not realistic. You come here, you work your ass off, and that what you do at the end of the day, that's, that, 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 that self-pride in knowing that you worked 8, 10, 12, 16 hours, when you come home knowing that you put in a good day's work for a good day's pay, that, that's the American dream. American dream is the ability to walk down these streets knowing that you're not going to be persecuted for your race, religion, the color of your skin. Having the opportunity to go to community college or a trade school, having the opportunity to better you and your family, the opportunity, but the opportunity isn't guaranteed. You have to work for it. So... It's a real shitty deal, deal, plan. It's a horrible. It's horrible. It's it's poorly written. It's poorly thought out. And the 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 fact that people aren't reporting on the fact that we would have to hand over our land, our homes. It's bad. And and and, and you got Jim Carrey on Bill Mao, Bill Maher, Bill Maher saying that we need to stop demonizing socialism and then has the audacity to put his feet on the desk and laud these new Nikes that he just bought. Motherfucker, the capitalist system that you're demonizing is the capitalist system that has allowed you to amass, what, probably a hundred, two hundred million dollar net worth? And it's that the capitalist system that you're demonizing is the one that allowed you to buy those fucking Nikes. So don't come here, don't, don't, don't get on a fucking talk show and say how we're demonizing, demonizing socialism. Socialism's socialism the answer because guess what? The same system that provided you the outlet to make as much money as you've done over the course of your career is the same system that you're demonizing. Nothing irritates me more when someone that has a massive net worth comes in and tries to tell normal people how to live their fucking life. Don't tell me how to live my fucking life. Don't tell me how to live my life and then rub it in our face. 
I love Jim Carrey, but fuck off. Fuck you. I was out shopping it in. I bought these $500 pair of Jordans. Fuck off with that. That same system that you're criminalizing is the same system that's allowed you to amass a net worth as much as you have. We had politicians out on the uh, trails this week. I think Trump held his first, his technical first campaign. He had like 35,000 people in El Paso come out. Beta O'Rourke from Texas, <clears throat> he held his own little thing. He lost in the, uh, in the governor race <coughs> to Ted Cruz. He only, uh, he only got like two or 300 people to come out to his bullshit thing. In his, in his little, uh, I assume he'll try to run for president, um, or at least put his, his name in the hat. He was advocating for tearing down all of the border walls between us and Mexico. Openly advocating for tearing the walls down. That's my wall update for this week. The Democrats have now gone as far as saying we should just tear them down. They shouldn't be there. And that the 700-mile stretch of wall that we put up in El Paso had no effect on the crime rates. Uh, but yet, uh, a peer-reviewed study has shown that crime in the 700-mile uh, wall that we constructed in the early 2000s in El Paso, crime dropped from uh, about 300 and about 300,000 reported cases of crime in 2000. I'm sorry, in 1994 we had nearly 300,000. Uh, reported cases of crime. Uh, the median number looks to be somewhere between 150 to 175,000 reported cases. To now in 2016 to have oh, about 25 to 30,000 reported cases. So fuck off with that too. Yeah, let's tear the fucking walls down that are already there. Good job. Let's let more fentanyl and meth and coke come across the border. Uh, Jussie Smollett. As I said last week, I didn't really want to talk about it early on when this, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, Jussie Smollett was the actor for Empire. He is openly homosexual. He's African-American. He was attacked by, he claimed to have been attacked by two men at 2 o'clock in the morning, leaving a subway. He, um, we didn't report on it. I, well, I, I didn't last week because uh, it, it just seemed it seemed a little strange that a, that a man at 2 o'clock in the morning is attacked, leaving a subway, ordered a tuna fish sandwich at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's questionable. Mm, questionable. Hold on. More disrespect. Hashtag ASMR. Um, Chicago's had some of the coldest weathers of late. I think the temperature at the time of the attack was like four degrees. Happened at two o'clock in the morning. They said that uh, two men, two white men wearing MAGA hats attacked him, called him the F word. Um, not fuck the other one. 
um, called it MAGA country, called him the N-word, put a noose around his neck, doused him in bleach. <clears throat> in Chicago, crime rate's pretty high um, in certain parts. So there's a lot of cameras in the street constantly surveying the streets for incidents like this. Couldn't find very many cameras. But it does show Je Jesse Smollett go, you know, go down an alleyway, sees him come out. He still has the sandwich in his hand, then goes to his apartment complex. They have video of him walking into his apartment complex. He waited 45 minutes, then called authorities. Authorities show up to his apartment complex. He has a noose around his neck. Says he's been attacked. He's got what looks to be a punch to the face, a scratch on his cheek. You know, he said that it was two white men, blah, 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 blah. They do an investigation. They're looking for the they're looking for the security camera. They don't they they, they can't find any any duo walking the streets around that time. He said he was on the phone with his manager at the time of the attack. They tried to get him to surrender his cell phone. Didn't want to do that. I, I, I understand that. We talked about that last week. They subpoenaed his phone records. Long story short, this week we did we, they did find two men walking down the street. They found two suspects around the area, around the vicinity. He said that is for sure 100% them. Well, like I said last week, I was hoping that that I, I don't I don't I don't ever I don't I I tried to make this demarcation, but I don't think I made it well enough last week. When I said last week, I was hoping that his version of the story that he was telling was correct. I was not or any way, shape, or form advocating for someone to attack a person for differing values, such as homophobia, uh, being a being a homosexual, or race-based attacks. I don't, I'm not advocating for anything like that, but the damage that he could or would have or did do if his story was fabricated would have been horrible for progression. So when you see something like this, in my mind, I, I, my first reaction is I hope he's telling the truth because there's a lot of moving variables here. And he was given a platform this week. Yeah, He was crying foul. He was very upset with people questioning his story. So Robin Wright had him on a uh, MVC, and this is part. Of, this is an excerpt from there. Why do you think you were targeted? I can just assume. I mean, I come really, really hard against forty-five. I come really, really hard against his administration, and I don't hold my tongue. I don't want to ask you about Jesse's bullet. I think that's horrible. Uh, it doesn't get worse, as far as I'm concerned. Were you aware that he made that statement? I saw it. I don't know what to say to that. You know? Um, you know, I appreciate him not brushing over it. And there is no doubt in your mind what motivated this attack. I could only go off of their words. I mean, who says empire this MAGA country ties a noose around your neck and pours bleach on you. And this is just a friendly fight. I will never be the man that this did not happen to. Mm. I am forever changed. And I don't subscribe to the idea that everything happens for a reason, but I do subscribe to the idea that we have the right and the responsibility to make something meaningful out of the things that happen to us, good and bad. Well, you're right about one thing. 
you uh, you don't subscribe to the feeling that everything happens for a reason because it looks like the entire thing was staged. Uh, the 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 two men that they the two suspects that they found, they were African Americans, they were black, they worked as extras on Empire. They knew him. When they checked his phone records, based on his actual cell phone versus the actual phone records, there were calls to these two individuals that had been deleted from his phone. It looks like the entire thing was staged. This is the same person that got on stage with a with a hip hop rap artist and said that he was the 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 equivalent of the gay Tupac. All this was was a ruse, was a political ruse to take a shot at Trump. I'm sorry, conservatives, his administration, whatever you want to call it. And he lied. He lied about the entire incident. It was staged. Um, I've seen reports that each person was paid uh, $3,500 to do this. They had tickets to Nigeria. He had bought them tickets to Nigeria to get them out of the country for a while. This is as wrong as it gets. This is as disgusting as it gets because this is what perpetuates racism. This is what perpetuates hate. You want to get on national television and tell people, I don't know, I don't know why people don't believe me. I'm the victim. You want to show fake emotion. He was, at the end of that clip I had, he is visibly emotional. You want to shit on the administration, but yet you're the one. You're the one doing this. You're the one that concocted this entire plan. It's sickening. And this is one of the reasons why I, I didn't want to say anything a couple weeks ago when this happened. Because I, I wanted all of the facts. Because all too many times, we jump to conclusions and we want to be the first one to punch those 140 or 180 characters on, uh, on Twitter. We want to be the first ones. I don't think you'll ever get a job in Hollywood again. That's unfortunate because I think there should be a path to redemption for everyone. You've trashed and tarnished your entire career. You know, for me, a person is only a, a person's a person is only dictated by their word. I hate lying. I don't. I don't. I. I don't. I. I do my best not to lie. I think we all <sighs> exaggerate stories from time to time. Most people that are close to me know that I. I tend to be a little on the dramatic side. That's at least what they say. This, this is next level deceive, deception. To try to paint a picture, I, 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 don't, I don't understand this. <clears throat> I don't understand. I, I don't, hmm, I'm trying to formulate my thought as this is going on. Good job, idiot. I don't understand people and their plight to make America look like this racist country. If you read um, Steven Pinker's um, book, shit, um, his last one was Enlightened Now, I believe, but there's one before that, and it breaks down statistical analysis on racism, gun violence, and how the numbers are all decreasing, and Oli and I went back and forth on this uh, a few episodes back, and he, he was right. 
mass shootings are up. But overall deaths due to guns and gun violence is drastically down. Now you go, well, how do you say that? Well, we have a lot of mass shootings. Mass shootings are any shootings over four. I'm sorry. That's not right. That's not right. That's not right. Um, mass shootings are any shootings where or six six people are, are, are killed. Yes, six. The U.S. government, not the U.S. government, but a lot of these liberalists that are against the Second Amendment, they have... They have decreased the legal definition down to four on some of their st- on some of their studies to show that uh, mass shootings are a lot more. I don't I don't know. I'm I'm gonna fuck that number up. I'll get I'll 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 get the right number next week. Um, but it was either moved up to six or moved down to four, which being moving down to four seems more pliable. But I'm getting off topic. Let me try to stay on topic here. We try to paint this picture that America's is a racist country, and it's really racism's down in a lot of metrics. Most metrics, it's down. But we, we report on it more because it's in the news, it's in the media, because media is now 24-7. And what I mean by that is Twitter drives most, most news reporting. That's, that's a journalist and a reporter's goal now is to be the first one to type those 100, 280 characters. And a lot of it is not right. A lot of it's not right. And a lot of times, I think Ben Shapiro said this, anytime you see a big, juicy story and by juicy, he meant polarizing or controversial. You should sit on it for 48 hours, but we can't do that anymore. Because Joe Schmo from Vox is going to beat me to it. I mean, to think that this guy got beat up at 2 o'clock in the morning leaving a subway. Video shows him walking back to his apartment with his subway sandwich in hand. You know? You're, 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 you should have been skeptical from the beginning. And like I said, you can believe them on the base level, but when you start seeing all the variables, you have to be an independent thinker and you have to go, hmm, something's not right here. And that's when you start to hope that everything that he's saying is truthful. And you hope that everything checks out, but it didn't. It didn't. And I hope, and I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure, because to go this far with it, you're some you're some level of a narcissist. I'm hoping that he can see how much damage he's going to cause. Because that's the problem now. He has caused irreparable damage to this movement that our country has been undertaking for the last three or four years. Whether it be Me Too, Black Lives Matter, Time's Up, the Woman's March... you have set us back so far. Because now, for now on, you're always going to be skeptical. And that's not to say that you shouldn't, but you're going to be overtly skeptical now. He tried to... I don't know what his thought process was on this. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think anyone ever will know truly. But the damage caused by your by your fabrication of an incident of an incident where you claimed it was based on race, 
based on your sexual preference and based on your going in on 45, well, you've done the country a great disservice. A great disservice. You know, even when the reports came out of the two people in question being black, he was like, well, the race doesn't matter. Well, I don't personally, I don't, I don't believe if two people of the same color beat on each other that that's a race issue. I'm sorry. That's just my personal opinion. And people will have differing ones, but, you know. And of course, the, the people that have backed him probably won't apologize for their... Because what happens is, is that people that support him have just spewed hate on Twitter. Just hate. Same thing happened with Covington, the Covington Catholic kids. You have adults wanting this kid's address to dox them. The doxing them is they want uh, hackers or people that are internet savvy to find his address so that you can go to his house and attack him. That's what doxing is. Doxing is grossly illegal. Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin caused, literally asking on Twitter for this kid to be doxed. Raison Sari asking, saying, I've never seen a more punchable face. You know, now the people that supported him, what do you do now? You Well, you apologize, but you're not going to. You apologize, but you're not going to. And that's another thing we have to work on. Apologizing when we're wrong. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, because his lawyer came out yesterday uh, and said that, you know, he's still the victim, so. I mean, I, I, I guess if I was in his shoes, I guess now you just take it to, you just, you just go all the way, all right? I don't know. I don't know. That takes me to Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed have been suing the NFL for the last few years over collusion, stating that they, uh, that based on their, uh, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed were the two, the first, the, well, it was Colin Kaepernick and then Eric Reed co-signed. Those are the, those are the two big players that were for kneeling for the, uh, against, uh, for kneeling during the national anthem. And they were suing the NFL, stating that, NFL owners had colluded against them, and that's why they hadn't had jobs in the NFL. <clears throat> Eric Reed uh, found a job last year, and he just signed a three-year deal, a very lucrative three-year deal with Carolina Panthers, um, but was still suing the NFL, still stayed, still stayed in the suit. <sighs> a lot of people that, 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 that back Colin Kaepernick thought this was great. The NFL Players Association, um, from all reports that I've read, thought that they had a tremendous case against the NFL. And I, I, Oli and I said this. We, we, we were not with the kneeling during the flag, but we do believe the NFL has colluded against them. We've argued that it's ultimately, I think it's their right to not hire someone that would be a PR disaster for their team. I, I firmly believe the NFL had colluded against him. NFL Players Association felt that they had a tremendous case. News broke, uh, I think Saturday night, that they had reached a settlement out of court. And all parties have signed uh, a non-disclosure. So we will never know the details of this 
settlement. The NFL Players Association, uh, in all reports I've read, are not happy. I read this morning that the settlement for the two players combined is somewhere between 60 and 80 million. But of course, there is an, there is an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. So that, that number could be inflated, could be lower. These two players will split. If, if it is, let's say, let's, let's hypothetical and say it's 80. These two players each will walk away with 40 million after, after their lawyer bills and all that. Let's say they, they, they make 20 million off this lawsuit. People that, people that, that backed Colin Kaepernick on this, I, I think you need to realize my, me being critical of Colin Kaepernick as I was on this podcast multiple times was the fact that I didn't believe that he was as Adam, uh, not Adam, Jason Whitlock said, Jason Whitlock is a black man. He said, I don't believe Colin Kaepernick is equipped to handle this kind of social injustice. Meaning he grew up in a privileged family. He didn't, he wasn't a victim of overt racism, overt oppression, he went to a very good school. He went to a very good college. Was drafted first in the first round of the NFL. Played for three or four seasons. Went to a Super Bowl in his second year. I agreed with Jason Whitlock's critique of Colin Kaepernick. And I hope that people that, that, that sided with him realize that it was never about social injustice. This settlement shows that it was never about social injustice. It was never about trying to make a statement it was never about trying to prove that black players are held to a different standard, a lower standard. It was never about police brutality. It was all about the Benjamins. That's the reality. When you make when you when you make a personal stance, you do it for all the right reasons. And I firmly believe that. If you make a personal stance, you do it, you don't do it for the money. Martin Luther King didn't. Rosa Parks didn't. And a lot of people that back Colin Kaepernick equated him to a Martin Luther King, a Rosa Parks. Martin Luther King lost his life for social injustice, for equal rights. Colin Kaepernick made $40 million. If they let this play out in court, they could have proved that there was true collusion. And that, that, my dear, would change the landscape of the NFL because it would allow players to have more of a chance of making these protests, or sorry, doing these protests and not being held liable for it. But because you settle out and you don't take it to court, we will never know whether they did or didn't now. And the status quo in the NFL stays the same. Nothing changes. I agree, and NFL owners have the right to cut you, fire you. They pay you millions of dollars. And it's not lost on me. The NFL has made more African Americans and blacks richer than any other corporation in America. That's a fact. If you don't think I'm right, fact check me, because you're going to be damn wrong. But when you look at 
the landscape of the NFL and you look at a lot of the executive positions and head coaching positions, offense, defensive coordinator, special teams, linebacker coaches, minorities make up a very small portion. They make up a majority of the players a small portion of executives and coaches. This is where we can bridge the gap. Something like this could bridge the gap, could change, could, actual, could actually cause change. I was with Cap on the, on the lawsuit. But he proved, he proved me right. He proved all of his doubters right that it was just about the money. He is paid by Nike a superstar contract, which is the highest contract they give to players for his ad campaigns and his merchandise. He has made more money. He has made more money today by taking a knee than he would have ever in his NFL career. And that is a fact. So if you were a Colin Kaepernick supporter, I beg you to look into this and look at it objectively. Look at it objectively. Like I've said, I disagree with him kneeing. I agree with his lawsuit. But he settled out. And it all goes away. And all of this work, all of the players, the other players, Jerry Jones took a knee with his team. I don't even like Jerry Jones. Yeah, he told them they had to stand for the rest of the season, but he had that one moment of solidarity with them. And that was change. It's gone. It's gone because you took the money and ran. That's not, that's not progress. That's going backwards. When you fight for social injustice, you fight it because it's right. Because what you feel like you're doing inside is right. You don't do it for the money, and that's all that Colin Kaepernick did to uh, Saturday night. He did it for the money and got out. Ah. <sighs> Let's have some fun. A man is arrested in Virginia. You got them, them sexual deviants down there in Virginia. As a man is arrested for projecting porn onto his garage door. Officer was driving by. Officer said he observed, quote, observed a movie involving sexual activity being projected on the garage door of the residence. That is awesome. We need more of this. All the drive-ins are closing up. Let's make our own. Let's watch some porn. Fuck yeah. <coughs> That's awesome. It's horrible. I mean, I wouldn't want to see it across the street, but I mean, if I, had, if I had a family, if I was living alone and this guy was watching porn on his garage, I'd probably go sit with him. But that's awesome. Police are warning parents this week about a 48-hour challenge. I actually just read this this morning. Um, this is, I'm, I'm recording this on Monday. This will drop in like an hour or two, so this is going to be as fresh as it gets, baby. Uh, a 48-hour challenge. Now, this is one of the stupidest things I've read in a long time. The 48-hour challenge, it encourages, quote, it encourages teens to go missing for up to two days at a time and awards them points for, social, for every social media mention while they're missing. 
Eh? What? Hey, Johnny, we're going to do the 48 hour challenge. What is it? We're going to go missing. We're going to tell our parents that we're leaving. And every time they mention it on social media, we get a point. And Sue gets the most points. Eh? What the fuck are we doing here, ladies and gentlemen? What are we doing? Going missing is a bad thing. The emotional distress on a parent when a child is missing never felt it. And sympathize with it. But let's, let's go missing and then let's award each other points for how many times we're mentioned on social media? Holy fuck. Can we not do this? I mean, I mean what, 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 are the, what are the other games we've been playing uh, of late? I mean, we had the Tide Pods challenge where we were just eating Tide Pods. We had the Bird Box challenge where we had Netflix had to make a statement saying, hey, please don't do this, where people were just blindfolding themselves doing random acts of, you know, throughout their day. Like, I don't know, cooking. Let's cook with an open flame uh, with a blindfold. That's genius. Now, now, now let's go missing. No. No. No, let's not do that. Whatever happened to going to school and going home? Hanging out with your friends. What the fuck? Uh, Apple is gifting education funds to the teen who, uh, who found the Facebook bug, the FaceTime bug. So shout out to Apple and Tim Cook and all the lovely people down there for paying for this, kid just, this kid's education for finding the, that FaceTime bug. Good looking out. Major League Baseball is apparently ditching the term disabled lift over disabled list. Lift? Can't speak? Mm, stutter. Disabled list over social justice concerns. Um, it's going to be uh, replaced with the with the injured list. I think that's a. I think that's good. Uh, I think it'll. I think hardcore baseball fans will always call it the DL, the disabled list. But I. I. I, I get it. I get it. <coughs> You know, baseball's been around since uh, the 1890s, I think. 1890s, 1880s is when baseball started showing up. First organized game with a stadium, I think it was in uh, 1892, I think. Hmm, no? Anyway, yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing. Um, I'm really not for demonizing certain words, you know, but... I don't. I don't see the harm in changing it. it the, the player isn't disabled. He's just injured. <laughs> Most of the time, it's like knee or shoulder, elbow inflammation. So even when they are on the long term, you know, the the eighty day or the one hundred and twenty day, it's they're not disabled. So I don't see the harm in it. I don't know why they couldn't just go to, you know, DL. But I guess people would still consider the D disabled. So injured list, the IL. I don't know if I'll ever use that, but hopefully no one will get mad at me. Probably will. Always be. 
the disabled list to me. Uh, last night we had uh, UFC, the first Friday night fights on UFC on ESPN. They had it on Sunday. Weird day to have it. Big uh, heavyweight battle between Francis Ngano and Cain Velasquez ended in uh, 26 seconds. Velasquez takes an uppercut to the chin and down. That was it for that. Oh, let's see what else we got. It's kind of a serious episode. I think that's it. I think that is all we got this week. Ah, some housekeeping. Like us on Facebook. Catch us up on that Instagram. That'll keep you posting all the things we do. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm trying to tweet more. Uh, like, subscribe to all your podcasting apps. Leave us a comment. Rate us. We'll read them out like I said. I said last week that all of our episodes would be transitioning to Fridays. And then this one week later, we go to Mondays because I'm stupid and forgot what fucking day it is. Uh, I literally texted Oli last night. I was like, holy shit, we didn't do anything this week because mm, idiot didn't know what day it was because I'm mm, 30 and I can't keep track of mm, days. But who knows? Friday, Monday. Figure it out. Be objective. Be kind to one another. I guess. Nathaniel, where you at, baby? Gentlemen, 